Hello, friend. I'm John Carter. Welcome today to the Carter Report. What a program we've got for you today. My special guest is the man who ministers to the gangs of Los Angeles. There are more than 100,000 young people in these gangs. His name is Pastor Willie Garcia, formerly the lead singer of the Midnighters. Stay with us. You're going to be blessed. Hi, I'm John Carter. My wife Beverly and I were watching television the other night, watching the news, American news. They told us that the church in North America is actually shrinking. They said that atheism is the fastest growing religious movement today in North America. And people are saying, what on earth can we do to save the church? Well, of course, Christ died for the church. He saved the church. But what they mean is, how can we keep the church as a vibrant force in the world today, in Australia, in America, and in Europe, and in the rest of the world? Let me tell you a little story. John Wesley was one of the greatest preachers that the English-speaking world has ever heard. John Wesley came upon the scene of the, of the church in England a few hundred years ago when the church was dying. Like the church today, it was a shrinking church, but the people in the church were in a state of denial. They refused to accept the reality that the church was dying. John Wesley did something that uh, other people said couldn't be done. He revived the church through public evangelism. Did you hear that? He started to preach Christ, he preached the Bible, and he preached out of doors and indoors, and the church was saved. Not only did he save a lot of souls, the souls of sinners, he saved the souls of the saints. Please join me, my friend, in evangelism. It's what Jesus did. Write to me, John Carter, Post Office Box, 1900 Thousand Oaks, California. In Australia, write to me at the address on the screen at Terrigal in New South Wales. Join me, my friend, in preaching Christ. Join me in public evangelism around the world. Thank you, in Jesus' name. Welcome today to the Carter Report. Pastor Garcia, welcome today. Thank you, Dr. Carter. We're absolutely honored to have you with us on our program. You've been with us to Africa and more recently to Papua New Guinea. Yes, yes. And that's where you saw the beautiful white dove that came into the meeting as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Yes. Now, you were telling me just a little while back, because we were interviewing you a little earlier on today, you were telling us about your involvement with the Midnighters, the Midnighters, mm -hmm. uh, the money, the glamour, the alcohol, the heroin, the cocaine. You were telling me about the day that came when you wanted to end it all because life was just miserable. Unbearable. Unbearable. And you were going to take some heroin. Yes. You're going to take it and you're going to die because you're finished with it. And then the telephone rang. Yes. Tell us what happened. I answered the phone reluctantly, but on the other end of the line was a, a young man that I knew very well. And uh, uh, he just began to speak to me about uh, uh, coming to hear him, his band play. He told me they were recording television shows. When he said television, my antenna went up because I was an opportunist all my life. 
You know, the world says opportunity never knocks twice. Mm. But since I've become a Christian, I know that God is always knocking yeah, at knocking the door the of your heart. Always. Yeah. Mm. And this was God knocking. I didn't know it yet, but this was God knocking. So, Tony, I agreed to, to go with him uh, out to uh, Tustin, California. Mm. And I ended up at uh, uh, Channel 40, KTBN. Didn't mean much to me when I, when I turned the corner and I saw the call letters because before uh, the couple that, that bought that, that television station owned it, I knew the guy that owned Channel 40, Huggy Boy. He was a local DJ. Huggy Boy. Yes. And uh, uh, it was a dance show, and he'd play records and interview people. So I said, wow, this is great, man. Huggy Boy's here. You know, I'll, I'll book some gigs, and maybe I can crank another year out of my life. But when I arrived, there was, a, a, was so much different. Uh, the band was great. It was the best music I had ever heard. I didn't know anything about it. Why was it good? Because it was anointed by the Holy Spirit. So this was... Christian music. Yes, it was, but it was it was salsa. It was it was very contemporary, uh-huh. you know. And these were guys that I knew. These now are, you've got a Latino background. Haven't yes, you? yes, I, that's sort of in your soul. It's, isn't it's in I? our DNA. Yes, yeah, sir. So, yeah. See, I'm just a poor old Anglo, <laughs> <laughs> but it moves you too. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> and and so the music was just it was the best sounding music I'd ever heard, and so I started thinking right away. There must be some way, man, if I can sing with this band and get on these television shows, you know, that would really be something. And so uh, over the course of two weeks of of going with him every day Mm. and trying to weasel my way into uh, being a a part of this show, a part of this band, I got exposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ because it was a television, a Christian television program, uh, uh, an evangelist from Argentina, Elmer Bueno. And he was the host of this program that was uh, called Buenos Amigos. Well, that didn't sound like anything like <laughs> church to me. It just sounded like good friends, yeah. you know, getting together. That's what that means, good friends. Yes, Buenos uh-huh. Amigos. His name was Elmer Bueno. And mm. what Elmer Bueno was doing was introducing us to his friends and his best friend, Jesus Christ. Over the course of two weeks, besides hearing great music, I heard these stories, uh, not just from from ex-convicts or prostitutes hmm. or, or, or ex-drug addicts, but I heard stories of, of people involved in corporate America, doctors, lawyers who had abused their, their, their privilege and their position in life. Uh, and every story that I heard, doctor, for over, two, over the course of two weeks was different. But the ending of every story was the same. So they were talking about the transforming grace of God. Yes, they were. And I'm just right there. And this got into you. It got into me, but but also my self-righteousness was always preventing me. I don't need me. this stuff. Yeah. You know, I'd hear these stories and I'd say, as bad as you were, you needed Jesus, but not me. I never pawned the silverware. I never hung out in the shadows with a baseball bat to take somebody's jewelry. You know, as bad as you were, you needed Jesus, yeah. but not yeah. me. I could afford my habits. That was my thinking. But... The Holy Spirit was working on me. Tell me about the moment when you came to Christ, uh, when you became a born-again Christian. I went, I went with the band to a prison camp in the San Dimas Mountains called Camp Afterball. They invited me to go with them. And I, I went on the condition that if they'd let me sing, I would go with them. I said, now's my opportunity. And so they looked at each other and said, sure, bring your charts. And so I did. I went with them up to Camp Afflerbaugh, 
And when I got there, they prayed. And I said, oh, this is going to be like that TV show. Mm, yeah. They're going to start talking. They're going to do. Yeah. So I went and I sat way in the back of the auditorium as they brought in 77 prisoners. I know because I heard the count uh, when they brought them in. And I sat way in the back where nothing they did or said would have any effect on me. And after hearing about 20 minutes of this great music, my friends, guys that I grew up with, that I knew, guys that I used to get high with, began to tell their story in 25 words or less. <laughs> and I went, wow, you know, man, Bobby needed Jesus. He was called El Terror del Barrio. He was called the terror of the barrio, of the, of the neighborhood. Goodness. Because Bobby was the type of guy that would stand in the shadows. Yeah. He was a heroin addict. Yeah. And, and he would take whatever you had. He'd bash your brains He'd out. He'd bash your brains out. And so when I heard his story, I said, wow, that's good. And he was redeemed. And he was redeemed. Then I heard another young man uh, who his, his father is a judge and his mom is a doctor. Grew up in a very uh, upscale, we call it the Beverly Hills of East L.A., Montebello, California. Yeah. And he grew up. And he, when he got up to speak, I said, man, I've heard some heavy stories over the two. What's, Bob, what, what's Chuck Bayo going to say? What's he going to say? This kid, he's had it all, all his life. And he simply said, you know, I grew up pretty well to do, both parents uh, doing well. He says, but it doesn't matter what spectrum of life you come from. If Christ is not the center of it, you're not living at all. Every day is another step closer what to What were death. you thinking? I, I, did, I really wasn't thinking, doctor. I was being bombarded by these real-life stories, living proof that my friends, guys that I knew, were not like they used to be. Eventually, this crazy preacher from National City, California, who was just doing a little prison ministry there with a couple of his boys, they drove down. They heard the band playing, so they came over to the auditorium, and one of the guys recognized him. His name was Calqui Duenas. And uh, they said, Calqui, you want to make the altar call? And he agreed. So he came out, and he just called all of us. He called the sinners that we were experiencing. And I'm including myself now in this group. Yes, yes. Right? That we're experiencing the consequence of our dis disobedience and our rebellion, you know, and we deserve what we're getting. And if it wasn't for the grace of Almighty God and his unconditional love, I wouldn't be here tonight to tell you that there's a way out. So you went forward. March 16th, 1980. I could not resist. March 16th, 1980. 1980. Sunday night, about 8 o'clock. You actually walked down. I walked down. I tried to get out of that auditorium. Yeah, go uh, at the back. But no, to no avail, even though I got out the door. And somebody was pulling you down. I couldn't leave. I could not that leave. That was the Spirit of God. It was the Spirit of God. We've had, seen that many times, haven't we? We have. He set me up. It was a setup. I believe that God had March 16th, 1980, yes. circled on his heavenly calendar. Yeah, written down from all eternity. It, at an appointed time, says the Lord. So you went down the front. I went down front. I what came, was going through your mind? I, I, I just, I, I don't know because when, when I didn't know this happened. Tony says that when he looked around, he saw me walking towards the prisoners and, and Kalki like this, walking through the audience with my hands up. And I reached a point where I just felt I couldn't walk anymore. And, and I felt like, like I was being uh, punched in the stomach. That's the way I felt. 
I felt like somebody was just punching me, you know. And and I I could hear myself inside, yes, yelling, God, yes. if you're real, if if what they're saying about you, Jesus is true, do it for me, but don't jump me off. I need to know that you're real. And God did it for you. I didn't even know I was praying, but God understood the cry of my heart. Was that the change that night? That's when it occurred. It occurred. I went there, Dr. Carter, with a $250 a day heroin habit, over $500 a day in cocaine and alcohol abuse. I was an abuser of A lot of money for those times. A lot of money. The high times. I had it all. And now you have become a tremendous pastor for the gangs of Los Angeles. You go into places... I'd be scared to go. And you go there and you minister to these young people who are without hope and without God in the world. But God, in 1980, reached down his hand and he touched you. Yes. Yes, he did. And, And, And by his grace, I've been able to take the same message that converted me, that that opened the eyes of my understanding to the grace of God. We'll be back after this break. We're going to talk about the gangs of Los Angeles. God has his time and his place for everything. And the time and the place now is Latin America, including Cuba. Time magazine talks about the Second Protestant Reformation and describes how hundreds of thousands Even millions of Latinos are coming to the gospel of Christ. I'm not an armchair theologian. I'm speaking according to experience. I've seen it with my own eyes. Recently, we went down to El Salvador. There I spoke in the largest football stadium in Central America with the biggest crowd that that football stadium had ever, ever seen. They came not to see a football match, but to hear about the blood of Christ. Millions are coming to a knowledge of God in Latin America. Doors are opening in Cuba. Who knows? We may be going to Cuba soon. As the doors open, by the grace of God, we are going to step through those doors. And we want you to step through those doors with us and be part of our team for such a time as this. Please write to me, friend. Don't put it off. Write to me, John Carter, Post Office Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. In Australia, write to me at Terrigal, New South Wales. Be part of the Second Reformation. Join us and see the miracles of God. Amen. Welcome back to the Carter Report. My guest today is a man of God who works on the streets of Los Angeles with the gangs. He goes to places you wouldn't go and I wouldn't go. But he goes there because God takes him there. God protects him. Pastor Garcia, you were telling us how in 1980 you went down the front. There were a bunch of prisoners there. You weren't one of those prisoners, but it was being held on one of those places. Yes. 
and there was an old-fashioned preacher, and he made an altar call, and you felt as though your heart was going to be pulled out of your chest. Yes. You went down the front. You want to tell us something about that? Oh, doctor, I, I realized that night that I was more locked up. I was more incarcerated than the men that were doing time in that prison. Yeah, the men in the jackets. Yeah. I looked around at those faces, and uh, they, they seemed to have a sense of hope. Yes. And they had a good sense of hope because mm. one day they'll be paroled. Yes. One day they'll receive probation. They'll get a green slip. Their name will be called, and they'll step out of the gate of that penitentiary, and, and they'll sense freedom. Did you know somebody said, the death of hope always leads to the hope for death. That's right. <laughs> and if you don't have hope in your soul... A lot of people out there haven't got any hope in their souls. Yeah, yeah. But if you don't have hope in your soul, you're going to come to the place where you're going to want to die. Well, you know, my hope was, was in this band and being able to sing with this band. Yeah. But that night, I heard a message of hope that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And it got better because he said, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that through his son, the world might be saved. Those words penetrated my heart. I lived under condemnation all my life. I was guilty. You can remember that night, can't you? I, I can day. remember that night. I remember those two scriptures as if they were recited to me John on a daily three. basis. Yes, John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. Those two scriptures stayed with me from that day the forward. The word of God is with power, and they, is it not? Yes, it is. The word of God is alive, and it's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates to the division of the soul, the spirit, and the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. You can see why God uses this man, because he's filled with the word of God and filled with the Holy Spirit. Where did your path take you after this? Well, it led me to church. Uh, where do I go after this? What yeah. do I do after this? I had no idea. And, and my whole concept of church being brought up traditionally yeah. was yeah. not the type of church I wanted to, <laughs> to return to. No. You know? And, and so God used my musician friends. They called me. They hounded me uh, uh, for a whole week. Come to church. I got saved on a Sunday night. Yes. And, and so what do you do Monday? Monday morning I woke up. There's the challenge. Uh, and, and my routine was to kick my legs out of bed, yeah. open my drawer, get my wake up, just enough to kind of get you. What would wake you up? What was it? Just a, a quarter gram of, of heroin. Of heroin? Yeah. You'd start the day with heroin? I would start the day with that. And that uh, would get you going? And that would get me going, a little cocaine. Oh, goodness. Uh, you know, double, double cognac. Uh, that was my routine. Uh, Roll about 20 joints, stick them in my pocket. You know, the gospel saved you because you look so good. <laughs> I'm telling you, well, you look so good. I, I'll tell you. You know, if, if this hadn't happened to you, you would have been dead years ago. I'd, I'd be dead. I'd be in prison or in an insane asylum. Uh -huh. That's where I would be. But not three at the same time. Not all three. <laughs> <laughs> now, tell me about some of the areas in L.A., where you can go, where I can't go. Well, I go right into the, the, the barrios of East L.A., Maravilla. Into what? The, 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 the neighborhoods. Yeah, what did you call it? Barrios. Oh, barrios. Yes, into oh, the barrios. I'm getting good on my Spanish. Uh, yes, you are. Yeah. And, and so you go into the barrios. I go into the barrios where they hang out, where they play handball, 
you know. Uh, is that we, rough? Uh, yeah, it's rough. It, it, it's rough. It's a rough life. Uh, it's, it's, it, you, see, you see groups of people confined to a four-block area. That's Why their do you neighborhood. say they're confined to a four-block area? Because they're afraid to go out of their own territory. So they can't? They have, they have enemies. They can't go out of four blocks. They can, but, but it's dangerous for them. Yeah, they may not come back. They may not come back. And nowadays, it, it doesn't matter. They'll come into your neighborhood if they want you bad enough. Your enemies will come looking for you. And they carry guns? They carry guns, knives, you name it. And I'm told there's more than 100,000 gang members? Uh, those stats, the, the ones that, and, and I looked them up uh, last mm. night, mm. Uh, the stats that we have, the, the most recent stats are from 2005. I think it's escalated to the point where even the statisticians are, are, can't keep up with the rate of, of, uh, of the numbers now, of individuals that are joining gangs. When you go into these neighborhoods where it's tough and rough and dangerous, why do they let you in? My reputation with the Midnighters precedes me. I made friends with a lot of people over the years you know, at weddings, at uh, yes. uh, backyard parties. So a lot of the guys, they know me. Uh, the gang members know you. They know me. They, they've inherited their, rec their, their parents' record collections. <laughs> and, so and they respect you. They, they do. They do. Now, what and do I they respect say to them. You respect them. Yes. And that's the key, isn't it? Yes, One of it the is. Keys. Yes, it is. Because they're made in the image of God. You know, that's that's interesting, Doctor, because, you know, there are no sides. There are no enemies where we come from. No. Because we've been called to embrace everyone. Yes, we've been redeemed. God embraces yeah. everyone, and that's the message. And we're all sinners. And we're all sinners. All in need of grace. Yes, yes, we've all fallen short. So you go into an area where it's rough and tough. Yes. They've got guns and they've got knives. What do you do? Uh, well, first, first I'll get permission. <laughs> I'll call. I'll call someone that that's, I know. That's a good move. And I, and and I tell them, hey, is it okay if I come down? You know. And they say, well, yeah, come on. You know. And then I always take a little boombox with me. You know. And I take my my tracks. So you you gonna do some singing? Oh, I'll go. I'll go right where they're at, and I'll I'll, I'll sing. That's how I get them. To well, come, on the street or in the house? Uh, or? I'll borrow if I need to. I'll, I'll take an extension cord and borrow electricity from one of the neighbors, and we'll set up right there. When you borrow it, do you ever give it back? Uh, Not exactly borrow <laughs> <laughs> Okay, you borrow the electricity. Yes. You set up a boombox, and you start to sing. And I start to sing. And I sing songs that they remember me by. That's the hook. I and, can't, they, and so they come to the meeting. Yes. I can't change my testimony, so I use no. the songs that help shape who I've become uh, to draw them. Do you them. quote scripture? Yes, I do. Yes, do, I do. Do you talk about Christ? I, I certainly do. And what, what do they do when they hear this? You know, out of reverence, they listen. They listen out of reverence. Out of respect. They, they all have, they all have this, this I, I really do believe, a fear of God. Yes, I do. Because, you know, I'll see some of them... You know, as soon as I mention God or I yeah, mention so in Jesus their in their souls, the interesting thing is, is they, they do things that I never asked them to do. Like when I ask them, can I pray for you? They'll kneel down. They'll kneel down. I've never asked any of them. There's some Anglo churches where people don't kneel down exactly. anymore. You know, they're yeah. too righteous to kneel and down. They kneel down. They kneel down. And, and out of respect for who I am, who, who they know me to be, and now they're getting acquainted with 
this new creation. Mm. And, and so I share with them from the bottom of my heart the two scriptures. You put your arm around them? Oh, I embrace them. I mean, I, I love them. I want them to feel the love of We're God. We're talking here about men and women. Men and women. And little men, kids. Grown men. Grown with men. With big mustaches and uh, tattoos and yeah. muscular men. But who, they got, they've got inside, they've got a soul, haven't they? You know. It's crying out for we're, God. We're all amazed that when we see an individual like that begin to weep. And you see this. And I see it. And God has used me in a tremendous way. I don't take it lightly. I go into the prisons and I do the same. You go into prisons in L.A.? I go into the prisons in Los Angeles, all over all over, wherever, wherever I can. Because that's tough, isn't it? The it, prisons in it America. Is, it is. God did something very interesting for me. Uh, when I got saved, uh, a young man in our church, he invited me to go with him to uh, the California Youth Authority, Fred C. Nellis in Whittier, California. And I, I, I went with him. He was doing Bible studies on the cottages. And he'd go there early in the morning. He would stay there all day. And, and I started going with him. And I did that for four years. Uh, one day, the superintendent and the volunteer coordinator invited us into their office, and they asked us uh, if we would like to get paid for what we're doing. And I told them, well, I don't know. What do you mean by that? And they said that, that they had noticed a change in the boys that we had been meeting with. The Bible talks about it. It says the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Yes. yes everyone is. who believes to the Jew first and also to the Gentiles. To the Gentiles, yes. <laughs> For in the gospel a righteousness from God is revealed that is from faith to faith. Yes, it is. God has used you. God has led you. God has blessed you. God brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And in your body, there's a warm heart. Mm. And people can sense it. They know that you are in the presence of God. And that is why these gang members turn to you. And we need to pray that we're going to see a mighty movement of God among these gang members in Amen. Los Angeles, as we have already started to see in El Salvador, because we were down there baptizing them. Yes. Glory be to God. Yes. And when we preached with all those gang people there, we weren't afraid because we were in the hands of God. Amen just as you are today, my friend, if you believe in the gospel of Jesus. My guest today has been a very, very special person, Pastor Willie Garcia, once called Little Willie of the Midnighters, famous musical group in the United States here that touched the lives of millions of people. But since those days, Pastor Garcia has been touching lives through the gospel of Christ. I want to just thank you today. You've blessed me today. Thank you, Doctor. Thank you've blessed you. me today, and you've blessed our television crew. You've blessed the Carter Report. Mm. Please write to me today. John Carter, Post Office Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. Write to me at Terrigal in Australia. And uh, if you want a copy of this DVD, just stand with us in evangelism and in the preaching of the gospel. Thank you for joining us today, and God bless you. Your hope and your future, cause these are the plans, these are the plans, these are the plans, that's God's word.
Every promise is a and amen. These are the plans that I have for you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you're a restorer of your people. These are the plans. 